Welcome to Music, Hope, Word, and Prayer, a podcast of rich music, hopeful prayer, and inspiring meditations with East Brentwood Presbyterian Church, a community church in the greater metropolitan area of Nashville, Tennessee. We are a faith community made up of a loving, welcoming family of believers in honest conversation with God. We seek to emulate the ministry of Jesus through compassionate service, with stimulating and relevant exploration of God's Word, and by sharing that Word and God's many blessings with our neighbors in Middle Tennessee and around the world. Hey, hello, and uh, may the peace of God be with you. And hey, thank you for listening to this message in this second week in January of a new year, 2022. And good riddance, 2021. Uh, Lindsay Hines-Brown is here, and Nate Strasser, and here, John Hilly. And uh, um, we all are bringing you greetings in the new year. And I hope you are hitting uh, that stride and accomplishing all of those New Year's <laughs> resolutions you may have made when it comes to eating better, being nicer, and exercising more, or whatever it may be. How's it going for you, Nate and Lindsay? Oh, I'm, I am... Just doing fabulous on mine. My resolution this year was to become proficient at binging Netflix. And I I have to say, if I do say so myself, I'm a really fast learner. So I'm doing really well on that one. Well, Lindsay, that sounds really edifying (laughs) to binge watch Netflix. It sounds like you also may need to do some confessional as well. (laughs) And uh, uh, so this is a fitting message for today. What about you, Nate? Yeah, it's going really well. Um, I'm just, you know, trying to become a more... Loving, caring person, so I think I'm off to a great start. Well, Nate, you did aim low because uh, <laughs> I think generally you are one of the nicest, uh, caring the people most. that I know. So, yeah, that didn't sound very ambitious in terms of these <laughs> resolutions. As well as for me, um, I don't know. I'm, I was going to go to the gym yesterday. Everybody puts down exercising more, and instead I went home instead, uh, instead of going to the gym. So, uh, I'll confess that and move on. But hey, speaking of moving on, uh, let's go to this podcast episode. It's being recorded early in the new year. And in the church's, church's calendar, we have what we call Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And that's where we are when we are recording this episode. And it signifies the time when Jesus himself was baptized. And I hope that what we share today will help you with your own resolutions when it comes to the cultivation of your spiritual life. <laughs> you, you you did make a resolution of what you hoped would happen in the cultivation of your spiritual life, didn't you? Well, I hope so. And I hope that maybe in this episode, if you haven't, that you will. Nate, what's the music in this episode? Yeah, we have some river songs. We have uh, Down to the River to Pray, and we have Shall We Gather at the River. And then we have Brianna Tyson joining us for Into the Jordan, really fitting for today's podcast. Ah, it really is fitting, and, and it sounds lovely, and... It's a welcome chance for all of us to be still and as we listen to your music and to reflect over the next 20 or so minutes. Um, So let's listen to one of those pieces now, and then I'll come back to share a message after Lindsay offers a prayer and guides us back to the importance of Scripture in our lives with a reading from the Gospel of Mark. I trust and I swim 
God, you sent your Son to be baptized among sinners, to seek and save the lost. May we who have been baptized in his name never turn away from the world, but reach out in love to rescue the wayward. By the mercy of Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture for this episode comes from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. The scene is at the River Jordan as John prepares to baptize Jesus. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. We are living through a time when 
all the stories the larger culture tells us about ourselves are being rewritten. The story of what the United States is, uh, what it means to be a man or a woman, what it means to be a child, what it means to love oneself or other people, and also what it means to be the church. And so I'm wondering today, what can guide and direct us and comfort us and lead us into the future? Things were very fluid and dynamic in the time of Jesus and political, cultural, and religious life, just as they seem to be today. And in the passage that Lindsay read just now from the Gospel of Mark, Mark begins his gospel saying that all of the folks of the countryside of Judea and even all of the city inhabitants of Jerusalem came out to be baptized by John at the Jordan River. If you look closely at that text, there's an interesting juxtaposition between the city folk leaving Jerusalem and the country folk leaving their own villages and going to the margins, to the edge of the wilderness of the Jordan River to be baptized. There are a couple of peculiar things, if if you ask me. It's It's an odd thing, first, for rural and urban people to come together, now as it was likely then. It was especially odd that they were going to the Jordan rather than up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was always the place the Israelites would go up to, no matter whether they were traveling to the city from the north or the south. One always went up to Jerusalem, almost signifying a going up to God. There's a great meaning, I think, in the gospel writer highlighting that all of Jerusalem is leaving to go to the wilderness and to the Jordan River. Mark says that they were going out into the wilderness to be baptized by John, who was proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And it leads you to ask, is there something wrong at the center in Jerusalem for them to go out to the Jordan? The text says they are confessing their sins. Why could they not confess their sins in Jerusalem, which was the center of traditional institutional temple worship? And commentators tell us uh, about that time that the gospel writer is setting the scene for what we know comes later, the showdown between Jesus and the institutional religion of the day at the center. In Mark's gospel, there is a showdown between the center of synagogue and temple worship and the meaning of walking in the way of Jesus the Christ. And later, those who would follow Jesus would again be moved by the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, it's recorded that they were baptized on the day of Pentecost, and that day about 3,000 persons would be added. In Acts 2, they say they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, it says in Acts 2. The book of Acts is one of the celebrated stories of the beginning of the church. So I'm beginning a new series called Ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church. It seems like uh, I'm calling the series Ecclesia because it seems like it's popular these days to name important things by their Greek name. (laughs) 
As I said, we're living through a time when all of the stories the larger culture tells us about ourselves and our institutions are being rewritten. And the church, the ecclesia, finds itself in transition, and increasingly I am seeing my role as a pastor as being that to help the church through this time of transition. And I, with where I am in my professional life, will end up handing it off to others who will experience a very different church than what I experienced when I first entered the ordained ministry over 30 years ago. Now, this is not the first time the church has been in transition. Every 500 years, they say, um, there is a fruit basket turnover. And where we find ourselves today is that many people are leaving the church who grew up in the church, citing that the church has become party to all of the different culture wars. They are leaving the church because, others say, they've been harmed or felt judged by the church. Our church history, yes, true, has been tainted with siding with many of the isms. Churches have sided with unjust powers. And so here we are at this point in time saying, oh, there's much to throw out. But before we do and throw it all out, there's much to hold on to. And I believe the church, what is core to the church, can be a crucial scaffolding of support for individuals and societies in ways that are profound. Uh, The church is undergoing such change like everything else. You know, I used to do a lot of work consulting with organizations, and in every organism, whether it be an individual or an organization, all are said to go through a life cycle of change, conception, birth, adolescence, adulthood, and aging. And some might suggest that what we are seeing is simply the aging of the church, a process that is natural to all things, and there's to be an ending before a regeneration happens. Others say the church is being dismantled, as Conrad Kanagi has written, who has a very insightful blog in the magazine Sojourners. As he says, the church is being dismantled, interestingly, not by social media or popular culture, but is being dismantled by the very Spirit of God. Now, regardless of our assessment and regardless of what the church will look like in the future, I'm trying to keep at the fore of my own ministry these two things. First is that there remains a spiritual hunger and the reality of the Holy Spirit that seeks to move across our lives as individuals and in unity as a people. In the words of the psalmist in St. Augustine, words said across the ages and words that are still timeless and needed today, we are restless until we find rest in Thee, O Lord. And the second thing that I want to keep for is the core message of the good news. And that brings me to the baptismal font and to this Bible passage in Mark at the beginning of Jesus' ministry where the Holy Spirit breathes and blows this movement of the good news. And that the movement of the good news in our lives is propelled by the presence and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, imagine, if you will, 
As you listen to this message, I'm standing in front of a baptismal font. In every church, there is a some form of a baptismal font. It may be small, where um, water is dipped and poured over a baby's head, or there is a dunking that happens, or it happens beside a river. And whether you access the church, uh, assess the church as being dismantled, or like the possessions of an old parent's house where you have to decide what you're going to keep, what you're going to throw away, or what you're going to give away, the font I would like to hold is something that we take with us into the future. Why? It's it's because of this. Baptism tells us who we are. I love this moment in Mark where Jesus is baptized. It says, John baptized him, and the heavens were ripped apart, and a voice, the Spirit of God, says, You are my son, whom I love. Jesus is told who he is at his baptism. And the same is true for you. Baptism declares you are God's son. You are God's daughter. You belong to God. Now, there's something important to say here, and that is that baptism doesn't make you belong to God. Baptism is the holy celebration of what is already and always true. And for someone who is not baptized, and increasingly that's becoming more and more, that, that does not mean they don't belong to God. And this is why that the church lacks the power to bring anyone to God and hopefully to pull anyone from God. No, in baptism we celebrate what is already true. There's an intentionality here that we belong to God, not because of anything we have done, but because we are claimed by God through grace and nothing can separate us from that love. And baptism at the font reminds us and acknowledges this this affirmation. Now, we are underway with a series here at East Brentwood Presbyterian Church that explores the essential functions of the ecclesia. The church. And, and, and here's another Greek word, since we're you know, in the business of uh, speaking Greek these days, and it describes our function and our purpose. And the word is liturgia, liturgia, which literally means the work of the people. And what is this work? It is praise. It is baptism. It is gathering at the Lord's table. And it is dispersing into the world with our work, growing and reflecting the light of God in our service and our mission. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people who have left the church. And there are many more of these in these last two years who have not so much intentionally left as who have just drifted away. Now, whether you count yourself among the numbers that have left intentionally or just drifted, there is a lot to not like about parts of organized religion. But I think the church has an important role in these times for you and for our society. And today, what I think is important Is this font and this water, this baptism that reminds us of who we are, 
it washes us clean, to use the ancient language. But it doesn't stop there. Personal commitment in response to God's grace is involved. So baptism is not a momentary experience that you likely do not remember. But baptism is the beginning of a journey of a lifelong commitment to growth in Christ. So I encourage you this day to look at your own personal commitment in the liturgia, the work of the people. As baptism washes us, Eucharist feeds us, prayer frees us from bondage to the present moment and gives us perspective on and leverage in dealing with the present. Again, this is the liturgia, the work of the people, of the ecclesia, the church. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you, as it says in the Beatitudes in Matthew 6. It is the love of God for God's own sake. So I hope you'll explore with me how the church can reclaim what is core and at the heart of the good news. That's what I'll be reflecting on in the upcoming weeks and episodes. And again, if you haven't thought about your own baptism or that of your children in a long, long time, or if you're feeling like you are on the margins and are feeling poor in spirit and brokenhearted, then again, let me remind you that Jesus went to the margins and that there, there is a river or a font or whatever holds water to wash you clean and to serve as a vessel of God's Spirit that pronounces to you, you are my child. And it is my hope, and it will be my work, for it to be so that the church is there also in the margins and in the wilderness, just as Jesus was. So this day, I hope you'll reflect on your own identity in Christ, reflect on your own identity of, or what you need, and of how you might be part of this work of the people of God we call the Ecclesia, as Nate plays of going to the river to pray, and as you are there at the banks of the Jordan, coming to the water, because there are times when we all need to go down to the river to pray, to get washed in the water, and to remember the time when we were first washed, and to remember who we are and whose we are, the beloved children of God, and to choose the type of, the type of people we wish to be. This is such a time to be washed, fed, and to offer our praise and our service in the world. Here's our prayer. Dear God, in the words of the psalmist and St. Augustine, words said across the ages and words that are timeless and needed today, we are restless until we find our rest in Thee, O Lord. On behalf of this who are listening, I pray this day that You will do whatever You must in my life to make me who you created me to be gratefully. Amen.
thank you for joining East Brentwood Presbyterian Church today for music, hope, word, and prayer. To learn more about the life and ministry of EBPC, our commitment to being a Matthew 25 congregation, or to support this ministry with a financial contribution, visit us at our website, ebpctn.org, or visit us on Facebook at East Brentwood PC, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, EBPC Videos. Thank you.